When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome back into another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Report. It is Friday, December 1st. We're gearing up for a Sunday night football matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers. So let me welcome in the leader of Arrowhead Pride, Pete Sweeney. Sween, on Thursday, it was announced, and I think it is fair to say this is the biggest Chiefs win since the Super Bowl, baby. <laughs> Week 15, Monday night football, Chiefs 2-9 and nine Patriots as they currently sit in the standings. Yep. Flexed noon kickoff, Sunday afternoon. Oh, man. We don't have enough noon kickoffs this season, Pete. I am so thrilled we do not have to watch the Chiefs and Patriots in a standalone Monday night football game. And we actually get an early kickoff for once because it's only happened one other time this entire season for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, it's a simple flex, but it almost has a lot to unpack in, in a way. I think just in the prism of being a Kansas City Chiefs fan and talking to fans and, and hearing about going to Arrowhead later in the day and, and everything that goes into that people have actually begun to miss the noon games. The Chiefs had only two scheduled noon games. One is on Christmas. So some fans that normally go to the Chiefs game aren't even going to that game necessarily, could have given the tickets away. Uh, the other one was in Jacksonville. And so there were no noon kickoffs uh, at Arrowhead. Still won't be any because this game's in New England. Uh, but I think fans are looking forward to now the idea that they'll play at noon. It almost has like that prime time aura because chiefs just don't do it anymore and it makes perfect sense. And I, I think that's the other part of this too. And I tweeted this out last night. Imagine, you know, right before Andy Reed came and the Patriots were in the height of their dynasty in 2013, that 10 years would pass and the chiefs would be the super bowl contender. And the Patriots would be so bad that the biggest draw in the league, which we know is Patrick Mahomes uh, would be flexed out of a national primetime game. It's just a sign um, not only of like things can change very fast, but uh, appreciate what you have now. Uh, and it's going to last because the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, um, but <laughs> things can change uh, as, as time goes on. And it's just wild to see where these two franchises uh, have gone. I, I checked yesterday and the Patriots are due to pick third overall this year, Steve. And so, Flexed out for a good reason, and they made history also. That's the last part of this. Uh, no Monday night football game has ever been flexed before. This was the first year that you could do that, and the Patriots were so bad that the NFL decided to put this game at noon on Sunday. 
I'm assuming most Chiefs fans probably haven't watched a lot of Patriots football this year, but uh, I've seen a handful of Patriots games and their offense is unwatchable. Like yeah. <laughs> that, that defense uh, is it, still okay. It's still a Bill Belichick defense. They still got some players on that side of the ball, but their offense is one of the absolute worst units in all of the league this season. And yeah. It's even more impressive, I think, when you think about the fact that, like, we're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and we talk about their schedule and, you know, all primetime games, no noon kickoffs. Mm-hmm. And there's also this thing this season that, like, they've kind of become even more popular and they're under more of a national microscope because of Taylor Swift and right. everyone who's been introduced to the Chiefs in that regard. And so the fact that this got flexed to a noon kickoff on Sunday, I, I think is incredible. I wasn't sure it was going to happen. I'm thrilled that it did. I, I love a good noon kickoff. And our only other noon kickoff the rest of the way is on Christmas Day, which is a Monday this year against the Las Vegas Raiders. So we needed right. we needed uh, we needed the noon kickoff break for a little bit because it's been kind of a rough schedule. Monday night football, Thanksgiving turnaround and everything like been a very busy season here at arrowhead pride so i am very thankful for a noon kickoff against the patriots yeah there was even some talk in our in slack channel of whether the chiefs could be flexed out of that new year's eve late slot you know sometimes they do these mini flexes where uh potentially chiefs and bang i don't want to get everyone anyone excited necessarily but maybe chiefs and, and Bengals could be uh in that earlier slot now that joe burrow won't be in in the mix and it, and it seems like that team is going to fall out of the playoffs so I don't know if this is the end for the Chiefs um, flex wise, both into primetime, you know, now that they're eligible for another game and then at back later, you know, as we go here. Uh, so uh, stay tuned. We'll obviously keep you updated. ArrowheadPride.com. Yeah. So very excited for week 15. Now, what could have been a uh, just <laughs> awful late night game for uh, a lot of Kansas City. Very excited for a noon kickoff now against the Patriots. But uh, let's get into this Sunday night football game against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs opened is six and a half point favorites. I think earlier in the yep. week, that's down mm-hmm. to six points now. It is a road primetime matchup at Lambeau Field. The Packers have won three out of their last four games, and they're playing well right now. And Jordan Love has really come on recently. So I think we, we previewed this on the latest edition of Show MBK. That's available now on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. If you want to go check that out, I highly encourage you to do so. We had a, a great episode last night. Um, but just your overall thoughts on this game, Pete, and, and how you feel about this matchup against the Packers. And, and we've talked about it a lot this week. As long as the Chiefs take care of business on Sunday night in Green Bay, Come Monday morning, they will be back in the driver's seat for the number one seed in the AFC. Yeah, the Packers are are a young team, and I I think they're showing signs that they can be one of these players in the NFC, certainly uh, in their their division. Now, you know, they're looking at this game and and I, you know, I always say when you're playing the Chiefs, it's going to be bigger for the other team where they can really prove something, I think, on Sunday. I mean, they're also less than 500 right now by a game. Uh, they could get back to 500 by beating the Chiefs, and then suddenly this year could be a year for Green Bay. So I, I think they're going into uh, this game, and they're hot. You know, I was talking to some players in the locker room. I, I think everybody in Kansas City realizes they're playing well. They're a little beat up, right? And and I think that can start to impact you. I mean, we, we had talked about the injury report. Aaron Jones and Jaden Reed, uh, who are two key players for this team. That, that guy, you know, Jaden Reed has kind of worked himself into that role. He hasn't practiced. They haven't practiced for the first two days. Uh, They did get A.J. Dillon back to practice on Thursday in a limited capacity. The other big one is uh, Jair Alexander. I'm looking at that one uh, as well. 
I just think even if these guys are healthy, the Chiefs are still a better team, and I think they proved it to themselves offensively. We've, we've known how the defense has been all year. And again, should they play clean, smart football, not taking penalties, not turning the football over, this is a win, right? Um, even if the Packers were to get all these players back. And I tend to think that uh, at least a couple of them won't play in this game. So uh, very interested in the final injury report. We'll get that later today. Uh, but the Packers are beat up, and and Steve, even healthy, the Chiefs are better um, at, even as hot as Green Bay is playing uh, at every side of the football, in, in my opinion, quarterback, offense, defense. Um, and and so uh, I just tend to think um, it, it's a better game than we thought it was going to be, but should the Chiefs play clean, uh, it should be a, a, a worry-free win. Yeah, I, I think Jaden Reed is the one to really yep. watch here. And the Packers defense has been playing well without Jair Alexander in the lineup, but he's obviously still a very talented cornerback. If he's able to go, that's a huge win for them. But Aaron Jones has been banged up most of this season, so I, I don't think it's a huge loss if he's not available. They just haven't been a very effective rushing team in general because A.J. Dillon hasn't been great filling in for Aaron Jones. So. That's certainly something to keep an eye on. I think A.J. Dillon being a limited participant means he's probably going to have a strong chance of playing and being available for them. I, I think the big thing here is Jaden Reed because everything that you mentioned, like he's got a touchdown in three straight games. They've been actively trying to get him the ball on some design yeah. plays week after week now. And, you know, Christian Watson is a great downfield threat, but has been very up and down for them this season. Romeo Dubs is a fine player, but he he's still kind of – uh, another guy who's just kind of like in the mix there, but hasn't necessarily been a model of consistency. Like, I think they have something in Jaden Reed, and they've yeah. really been trying to get him the ball. If I, he can't go on Sunday night, I think that's a big loss. I have a funny point on this. I know that we're always trying to analyze like everything that Andy Reed says uh, from the us and the Oz to whatever. But Matt LaFleur this week said this about Jaden Reed, Steve. He is a dog. He is a war daddy. So he called him a war <laughs> daddy i like matt i like matt lafleur a lot i know i know that some people don't but i i think he's one of the better coaches and probably one of the more underrated coaches in the league as we talk about the mcveighs and the shanahan's and even tomlin and reed and belichick and lafleur doesn't get that credit he's got a young team uh they're playing well uh and i like calling uh Jaden reed a war daddy you know that's the equivalent of like that you know that dog mentality and that's a a huge blow uh, you're you're right um you know i think alexander is more of like the perennial name but Reed, the lesser known name, has been really important for this team and, and what they do offensively. And, and if he doesn't play, that that's a huge blow to uh, probably Jordan Love's confidence, who started to rely on him uh, and the team as a whole. So let's let's see what his status is uh, when we get to Friday afternoon as well. Yeah, and I'm curious how how you feel about the Chiefs' offense going into this one because the Packers, like. For, the, for most of the season, they've been pretty bad against the run. They're a team that you, you can yeah. find a lot of success on the ground if that's where you want to lean, if the Chiefs really want to lean into Isaiah Pacheco and attack Green Bay that way. But their pass defense has been better. I, I tend to think on paper that's kind of a product of the quarterbacks that they've played this season because they haven't played a ton of uh, elite competition or anything like that. And I think it's also because you can just run against them. And so a lot of teams yeah. just say, that's what we're going to do. That's our game plan against the Packers. But like coming off of the chiefs offensive performance against uh, the Raiders, like are, are you, are, are you at a point now where you're willing to buy into that performance is like, this was 
mm-hmm. kind of them flipping the switch for the rest of the season. And we're going to get some version of that, that that shows more consistency the rest of the way. Or are we still kind of like, yeah, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not totally bought into it yet until I see a larger sample size of it. I mean, who are you talking to, Steve? I've been positive about the <laughs> offense the whole time, even to like an unpopular standpoint. I, I think it just needed time to develop. And I, I thought it was great that the Chiefs, you know, for them, they they were winning in, in the process of trying to figure that out. Uh, you look at this Packers defense, uh, they're 18th in the league in, in terms of DVOA. Uh, that is 17th against the pass, and they're a little bit worse against the run, 19th. And so what I really liked about the Chiefs offense, and I thought what has been a key all year, uh, was making sure that you get Isaiah Pacheco uh, those touches. Uh, and and uh, leaning into him for 20 touches last game, I thought was really good for the entire offense as a whole. They've truly identified Rasheed Rice now uh, as that guy beyond Travis Kelsey. It's important for him to put two games together. You know, I, I, I'd still think that you need sort of a, a, a confirmation in a sense. Like the Packers, to me, are looking for a confirmation of what they did on Thanksgiving was real. I think the Chiefs need to have a similar offensive performance. Same thing with Rasheed Rice, Isaiah Pacheco, two games in a row to confirm, okay, this is real. And I, I, I think the Packers are fine defensively, but this is a team that you should whether Alexander plays or not, be able to, uh, I think, attack in, in the same fashion. And let's see some early success. You, know, like, you don't even want to see the offense stall uh, like we did at the, be- the beginning of last game. I talked to uh, Andy Reid at the press conference, I think it was Wednesday, uh, and and just about the opening script uh, and and uh, how famous that is. And you know, the first, one went th- first drive went three and out, second one was four plays, and he kind of joked, he's like, it wasn't that good of an opening script, and everyone kind of like uh, laughed about it. So I think getting off to a better start um, – will will be important for the chiefs um because you know when you're playing teams like the raiders and, and even to an extent the 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 packers here coming up you can manage a slow start but i think you want to get in a groove as you get closer and closer to the playoffs is when you do play a playoff team be it like the ravens or the jaguars whoever ends up being the bills uh if they find a way in you're going to want to you know be able to play a complete game so i think the chiefs are still seeking some things but i'm i think the offense is fine i never thought the offense was going to be great but i always told you it was good enough to um, play better and good enough to win a Super Bowl. And, um, you know, last week's performance really, you know, reaffirmed, affirmed my my thought on, on that. And, I, and I, I tend to think you're going to see a repeat performance this week. I don't see see why not. Yeah, I think we, we've just needed to recalibrate our expectations for this Chiefs offense. Like I think going into every game the rest of the way this season, it's. How do we get to 20 points? How do we not turn the football over? I, right. I think that's really the only thing that the offense needs to be worried about. And, and I think they right. should be able to do that on Sunday night uh, against this really young Packers team. Uh, on the Chiefs side, on the injury front, they're as healthy as you can be at, at this point in the season. Uh, Jarek McKinnon didn't practice on Wednesday. He returned in, in a limited capacity on Thursday. Nick Bolton limited everybody else on the injury report, full participant. Um, I don't expect Nick Bolton to be activated this week, just coming off of IR, but they're getting him back in the mix, which is good for the foreseeable future. Uh, McKinnon may be more in doubt. And honestly, Pete, I don't know if I want, like I I want Jared McKinnon healthy. Like I I don't don't want him to be hurt, but I, I think that we saw last week, Isaiah Pacheco has really developed into a dual threat running back who deserves to be more involved in the passing game than he has been. And I think despite the fact that he was really effective when, when rushing the football last week, I think 
the Chiefs have a chance to really unlock something with him in the passing game because I, I think my my biggest gripe with Pacheco right now is that he still kind of lacks that like elite running back kind of vision where you see him just kind of run headfirst into contact and he kind of almost seeks it out sometimes. And right. that and that and that kind of makes some of these some of these runs tougher at times than they need to be. Whereas if you get him involved in the passing game, you get him out into space and you can really fully utilize his explosiveness. Like, I think we got a glimpse of that last week. And when Jarek McKinnon's involved in the offense, Isaiah Pacheco might get, you know, one or two targets a game. But I want Isaiah Pacheco to get like six, seven targets a game because I think he can be that effective in the passing game. And if Jarek McKinnon is up and obviously he's going to be available at some point in the season, this isn't like a season ending injury. I just don't want them to move away from Pacheco because I feel like he's been clearly the more effective back when they lean well, on this season. Yeah, uh, like throw out the fantasy football aspect of this. Uh, what the Chiefs have in their building is a, is a bell cow back. I mean, he's developed into somebody that, you know, had to learn a little bit of, of pass pro, but now I think he can be on the field for three downs. And I think there's this constant question of, are they going to lean in into that? And sometimes you know they they're more of this committee team but i i you know mckinnon wasn't available last week it seemed like maybe he was getting checked out in philadelphia you know whatever uh back to practice now so i i tend to think he's going to be back in the mix here soon if this week not this weekend maybe next weekend um but uh, even still even if he were to be active i i think there's a case to be made that pacheco just shouldn't be coming off the field unless he has a long run uh is you know is tired gets a big hit and needs like a few plays off uh, he's that good. I mean, he really is. Uh, we, I think, and I said this on the radio this week, I, I think in this pseudo obsession with the wide receiver position and the lack thereof, uh, what has been hiding in plain sight to me is, is maybe the Chiefs' second best weapon isn't in the wide receiver room. You know, maybe it, it's the running back. And if it is the running back and we're agreeing to that, like uh, Pacheco being a slightly better option than, with the ball in his hands than Rasheed Rice, then he should be getting the amount of touches that he got in last game. And I, you know, I just, I agree. I mean, I agree completely. I think he's a dangerous, dangerous player with the ball in his hands. And when you balance the attack out and, and Patrick Mahomes has a big part of this too. This is like the, the, what goes into the RPOs. Like Andy builds a lot of options for Mahomes when it comes to, do I pull it uh, and throw, or do I hand it off? He he's kind of laughed at it. He said, he used to throw it all the time when he was a kid. Now he's learned when to, to give it to Isaiah because he's so dangerous so, it, you know, it's going to take everybody, but just making sure that he has a, a, enough opportunities to have an impact on the game is going to be better for you, I think, when you're building this offense. And you're seeing Rasheed step up. You're seeing guys like even Sky Moore, I, I think, is starting to finally come out of the woodwork in more of like a complementary role. And so I would love them to lean into Isaiah Pacheco. I think it's one of the keys to, you know, as they say, cliche-wise, like unlocking this offense. And I think you saw that last game. And I want to remind you guys, uh, if you're in the comments, you can pop in some questions if you want. We'll try to get to them before we get out of here at the end of the show. Um, I, I expect, Pete, that Kadarius Tony is going to be available this week after uh, he was a surprise scratch on Saturday last week, popped up with that hip injury. But he's been a full participant all week. I expect him to be back in the fold this week for the Chiefs offensively. And... It's also kind of why I'm hesitant to say that the Chiefs are going to commit to what we saw last week, which was Kelsey Pacheco Rice. And, and I right. feel like 
that was a product of the circumstance that they were in in that particular matchup against the Raiders, not necessarily what they want to do on a weekly basis, but I'm hoping that their coaching staff saw enough in that trio that said, okay, we got something here that they're going to lean into that more. And Kadarius Tony, still a dynamic player, still a, a player that when healthy has flashed all kinds of potential for the chiefs, but it's a matter of keeping him on the field. And Andy Reid's been pretty transparent about like, we got to make sure he can take hits. We got to make sure he can right. stay healthy. And I, I just, I, all I, all I really want to see on Sunday night in here moving forward is them leaning into that trio and then just kind of mixing in everybody else. But those are the guys that you have to get the football to. Well, if Kadarius Tony's up, it'll be interesting. We did the snap counts on the editor's show, but I'll I'll say them again here against the Raiders. Rice led the receiver room with 40 snaps. Then it was Watson and Moore, who had 34 apiece. Valdez Scantling had 32. Then Richie James with nine. Uh, and then Montreal Washington, who was up for that game. I, I tend to think he won't be up if Kadarius Tony's back in the lineup. But where did those snaps come from, right? I And if you've really been watching here, I think it might be Valdez Scantling. I think they're starting to realize that maybe, despite being the highest paid, Marquez Valdez Scantling might be the third or fourth best receiver and most reliable receiver on the team. And so if Tony is back in the mix, I think these uh, snap counts are going to be very interesting to see how they uh, end up turning out. Um, and I, I'm with you. Rice shouldn't go anywhere. I think Watson should be on the field. Say what you want about Justin Watson, but Mahomes likes him a lot. Uh, he earned his touchdown last week by getting drilled and standing up and, and still being able to catch the the pass and, and corral it. Uh, now, Moore and Valdez Gambling with 34 and 32 respectively, and maybe you take a chunk out of them to get Tony in the mix. But I, I think we're getting close to uh, that wide receiver snap count that's going to be optimal for Kansas City. And I hope they continue to lean into that. And to me, a major key with that, and I, I know it's been said elsewhere, and, and I'm just going to repeat it here. Like, I think it is leaning into three or four, four guys and just making sure that Rice is your leader in both snaps and targets and everything, you know, all the love. Um, but it's allowing these guys to have enough playing time between the white lines to to get into a rhythm. And I think you're seeing them, even in past rice, even those complementary roles, being more comfortable to have that production because you're in the mix of, of a game. Uh, the Chiefs have a lot of talent. I know they like, they like all their players, but I think sometimes they get um, a little bit too caught up in making sure that everybody has ample opportunity when it's like, no, you know, like it, this is the NFL. Everyone gets paid, whatever play your best guys you know at, at this stage and I, I think they're learning that and I think they're finding themselves um, offensively finally here in this last stretch of the season got a question from Dion do we move on from Moore and Tony after the season is done well Sky Moore is a second year player they just drafted so there's no chance they're moving on from him after the right. season's done um, barring some kind of catastrophic incident or something like that so you can expect Sky Moore to be a Kansas State Chief next season uh at this point, I'd be pretty shocked if they brought back Kadarius Tony. Uh, I think you got everything that you wanted out of him during the Super Bowl run last year after you made that trade. And if you can get something out of him in the playoffs this year, great. But at this point, he has just shown that it's too much of a struggle for him to stay on the field. I just don't see uh, any scenario where they decide to give him some kind of long-term deal. And you know, maybe he comes back on a cheap one-year contract, but if you're him, you're a young player, you want to hit the open market and see what's out there probably. Yeah, Sky Moore's here. I mean, he's on a rookie contract. He's a second-rounder. They're going to try to continue to develop him. Now I could see his role diminishing. I mean, I think you've already kind of started to see that unless he were to take significant steps in, in the offseason. 
we'll see. I don't think they've given up on him. More will certainly be here. Tony is interesting. Um, as I'm, I'm looking, I pulled up uh, from our friends at, at SpotRack here, Steve. Uh, a pre-June release in 24 uh, would give you no cap savings and actually $2.5 million of, of dead cap. Um, and you're only looking at dead cap unless you're finding a trade partner for Tony. Uh, the only way that they can save money against the cap is by trading him. Uh, that's either before June or after June. Um, and it, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of teams lined up. I mean, we'll see how his, his season uh, ends up here um because he's under contract and because i um i don't i don't necessarily see the chiefs wanting to trade him or there being interested parties uh i think tony's here for one more year but any yeah. idea of of this uh any idea of this second contract with him is really going to depend on what happens over the next you know i guess that would be like 16 months steve you know whatever um, and he, you know, I, I hate to say this about players, but you have to say it with him. Who is going to give you a lucrative contract if you, yeah. if you play half the season? Um, and so we'll see what happens over the next, you know, 16, 18 months, but doesn't seem likely past 2024. Answer the question. I think both of them are here, like definitely more. And probably Tony is, is the it's, short answer. That's also my mistake. Cause I was thinking that he was going to be a free agent this off season. And oh, there you go. That this is only his third year in the NFL. I know. It <laughs> seems like he's been, a, a lot longer. Yeah. he's been traded and just hardly <laughs> been on the field. Like it just feels like he's been in the league for a really long time, but this is only his third season. So they do at least have him for one more year. So I agree. He's going to be back next season, but I, I don't think, uh, He's just not the kind of player that if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, you well, have a term contract. Yeah. yeah, I think more. I mean, certainly Rice is here, too. Like, I think you're looking at Rice more and then Tony. And then, you know, I call it surgeon Brett Veach. Brett Veach fixed the the defense in, in 19. He fixed the offensive line in 2021. Brett Veach is, is going to do some surgery on this offense. I could see them signing a wide receiver and free agency and putting another draft pick in so yeah tony and more could be here but are they are they the fifth and sixth options by the time you get to next year I, maybe right like we'll see what happens with, yeah. with how the offseason plays out and before we get out of here i just want to take a quick look at the chiefs defense and how they match up against this packers offense because we haven't talked about it a ton i know the packers and jordan love coming off of a great game against the detroit lions um but pete it Obviously, the Lions are a fun team offensively. They put up a lot of points. But if you haven't been paying close attention to what the Lions have been doing recently, especially their defense has been an issue and their defense is going to be an issue in the playoffs, probably. But they can't generate a lot of pressure. And, and I think some of that is a product of Jordan Love's success last week. Like he, he was really good, but also the Lions weren't putting pressure on him. This Kansas City Chiefs defensive line is going to be a totally different beast than what they saw last week against the Detroit Lions. So I would expect Spags to do what he did last time he saw Jordan Love and Jordan Love's numbers tank when he is under pressure this season. I think Spags is going to blitz the hell out of yeah. out of Green Bay on Sunday night. And I think they're going to try to put pressure on him and then. He's going to have to try to hit some of those tight throws he he hit against the Lions, but against the Chiefs secondary, which is a much tougher task. Yeah, I think it's a mismatch, um, especially again, you know, with that Jaden Reed thing. Uh, and, you know, you're looking at banged up running backs. You know, you don't even have necessarily your best weapons in this game. And I think you're right. Um, I did uh, talk to Steve Spagnuolo about uh, Jordan Love earlier this week. I think it was yesterday. And he actually complimented Love. And he actually thought when they played him last year, and I didn't see this, but when they played him last year, he thought he was uh, 
impressive and making some throws that maybe other quarterbacks couldn't. Uh, I think part of that was Steve Spagnuolo maybe being nice. It seems like this coaching staff really likes to hype up the opponent and, and have them feeling themselves when they come into games against the Chiefs. Uh, but at, one thing that stuck out is he said that he, you know, he doesn't really get rattled. Uh, and we'll see about that because I, I do think you're right. I, I think Steve Spagnuolo is going to be mixing it up. Um, he can bring pressure from anywhere, one play, and then other guys are uh, blitzing the next play. I think he's going to try to confuse Jordan Love. This is still a young quarterback um, that is, you know, still getting his feet under him. We know about the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. And uh, I think he could be in a world of trouble at the beginning of the game. And, you know, like it's the Mike Tyson thing for for a young quarterback. It It's how is, you know, he can be and, and seem okay against other teams, but how is he going to act when he gets punched in the mouth? And I really think that Spags is capable of that and capable of that early. Um, I, on paper, right? I just tend to think if the Chiefs can start fast, this is going to be a blowout, but uh, that's up to them, right? Sometimes they start fast and other times they, you know, take a, a while to get to to kick into gear. So we'll, we'll see what ends up happening on Sunday night. Just score some points in the second half. Uh, let's not start that trend uh, again on Sunday night. You know, uh, like we'll, we'll be in a good we'll, Chiefs fans will be feeling good if Collinsworth already is just like, I, I can't believe we got another blowout game. <laughs> Gonna have to talk about the spread. That's my very bad Collinsworth impression. A uh, couple of quick questions before we get out of here, Pete from Naomi. What do the Chiefs do with MVS next season? Um, personally, I thought they should have cut him this offseason, uh, oh, even Steve, after his Super Bowl run. because uh, I, I know he made a big impact in the playoffs last year, but I thought they should have got out of that contract after the Super Bowl. They chose not to. Um, I haven't looked at the Chiefs cap numbers or yeah. or his specific he, contract he, recently, so but he is somebody that can actually save you money against the cap. You remember we were talking about Tony um, and, and the fact that you would be only adding dead cap. If you just straight up cut him. Uh a, a release here uh, in the off season would save you $12 million against the salary cap. Uh, and uh, the chiefs right now uh, are looking at a $14 million cap hit for Marquez Valdez Scantling. Yes. Uh, so the previous question, more and Tony should be here. I don't see a way Marquez Valdez scaling is here at that yeah. number. And I don't see him taking a pay cut. So I believe um, with, I'm, I mean, I'm, I would say like a seven, eight certainty that yes, Marquez Valdez scaling will be wearing another uniform next year. Yeah. It's uh, especially with the cap savings that that is an easy cut for the chiefs this off season. Yeah. Uh, from John is Zach Ertz, a possible signing. Um, uh, again, I don't know what the Chiefs cap situation looks like right now, Pete, but I would be interested in this as a uh, number two tight end. Zach Ertz is well past his prime, but we've seen the Chiefs kind of be shorthanded in, in that area this season. No, Gray's not the greatest blocker. Blake Bell's just kind of Blake Bell. Like if they could get somebody else on the field who could be slightly more effective, uh, I think we could see more of those multiple tight end sets that they had so much success with last season. Yeah, I Zach Ertz, according to uh, NFL insider J.J. Watt, uh, asked for his release from Arizona. So he wants to land uh, with a contender. We have seen the Chiefs do this on the defensive side of the football before, where they add somebody later in the year. I, I like Zach Ertz. Um, you know, if you're asking me, if are the Chiefs interested? Well, he's a former second-round pick. I wonder what uh, Brett Veach's book looked like uh, in the 2013 NFL draft when he went second. But he does fit this higher premium pick veteran guy. Uh, 
like it, it you know Veach sees the tape and he likes i i wouldn't um think it's impossible for Ertz to land with the chiefs i don't think they're going to claim him uh because i think the number right now is 2.5 but let's see if he clears waivers um and if he's interested in contenders what defines a contender right now like how many of those are actually in the nfl five four or five like like so the chiefs are certainly one of the contenders um i think it's possible uh a lot of times when uh x player becomes available i'm always like laughing like man fans just like love a name and any name that's available they want to bring to kansas city Um, but Ertz would be an improvement uh in that room and so uh let's see i i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility but i think he'll have to clear waivers that would happen uh, i believe later today we'll find out if anyone uh ended up claiming Ertz, and then if the chiefs can get him for some kind of you know veteran minimum deal come play with that you know I, I could see them bringing him in yeah yeah I, I would think him returning to philadelphia would be seriously on the table if he clears waivers just with the dallas goddard injury right now um mm-hmm. but yeah it, it's something i'd be i'd be interested in if he's available and doesn't sign back with the eagles I, i'd be very interested in the chiefs making a call on zach be interesting but- to see uh, and you make a good point about the eagles it'd be interesting to see nfc teams who are potential contenders who have space uh, because you're right. That's a great point. I didn't even think about that. Him going to the Eagles. You wonder if an NFC team does put a claim in uh, for him just to prevent that. Like, why help the Eagles right now? What do they have a one loss in the season? So, um, yeah, this is an interesting waiver claim. Uh, but I, when players put out that they're trying to sign with a contender, they're they're indirectly asking, please, nobody claim me so I can just pick the team that I want. Um, but that's not always how it works at this time of the year. He's Pete Sweeney. You can follow him on Twitter at PG Sweeney. I'm Steven Sir. That's where you can find me. As always, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Uh, we'll hear from head coach Andy Reid later on this afternoon, so be on the lookout for that. We got a new edition of Show and BK up for you right now, so go check that out. And we'll have a fresh episode of Kingdom Keys previewing everything you need to know for the Chiefs to get a win on Sunday night football coming your way tomorrow afternoon. We will talk to you guys then. Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premier. It's obviously an exciting time as the Chiefs enter this season, looking to become the first back-to-back Super Bowl champs in nearly 20 years. Arrowhead Pride Premier is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas. City. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after each game to unpack exactly what happened. In the offseason, the party won't stop. We'll still be covering the biggest stories and all the offseason's twists and turns will show up in your inbox on a regular basis. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe.